I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. British multi-hyphenate Estelle took the U.S. by storm in 2008 with her double platinum Grammy-winning single American Boy. She followed it up in 2010 with the David Guetta-produced track Freak, a sex-positive dance anthem intended to be the lead single for her highly anticipated third album. But when the album, 2012's All of Me, appeared, Freak was nowhere to be found. Today we ask, what happened? What happened? What happened? Uh, I was actually going to write that in the script, and I was like, can I say that? Does anybody know. know what that's from? I mean, that's from the uh, A Mighty Wind, right? <laughs> that was like Fred Willard's character's like, he's like, oh yeah, I produced What Happened. That was like his <laughs> his, his TV pitch or something. Um... Okay, so we're talking about Estelle today. Oh, you know mm-hmm. what? I, I wanted to tell you something. We got an email. Oh. An actual bona fide email from someone that we actually don't know. So I'm really excited about that news. Um, a listener named Antonio sent us an email. A few su- suggestions, um, which we will consider. I'll talk to you. I mean, the first one being Bonnie McKee. I don't know. Oh. She's been I, trying to make it happen for a long time, Bonnie. I, I Okay, when I saw the name Bonnie McKee, you know who I thought? Who? Bonnie Tyler. Oh. And I was like, oh, wait, different person, different person. What? <laughs> so so truly, I, I, I probably won't be the one to cover that. No, we can talk about her. I thought you knew about her. I thought you... When I, looked, when I looked into her, I realized like, oh, I know who she is. Like she's affiliated with like Katy Perry. Yeah, I feel like one of our friends really is into Bonnie McKee. Like, and, and, and like into to the struggle of her trying to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I listened to some of her stuff. I'm like hashtag... Mm. <laughs> well, but I think that's, that's what makes it interesting. That's hashtag NNN. That was my reaction to... <laughs> Uh, okay, what, what's um, another suggestion? Okay, so then, then then the other suggestion um, was Duffy. And oh, Duffy is someone that you. I actually, yes. I have, I do have a Duffy song on my list of upcoming to-dos. So that will be coming up for me. The, you, the listen, Duffy you, story, listen to her, you listen to her as you're walking down Warwick Avenue? I do. That Duffy, that Duffy story, though, is weird. Uh, it's it's dark. Um, but the reason I bring this up is because in his email, Antonio talks about one of the things being um, that Estelle, when Estelle came out, made this made kind of a controversial statement about Duffy and Duffy and Adele. I think this is what he's talking about in this email. But um, you know, when um, American Boy comes out in two thousand eight, the single actually um, overtakes Duffy's single Mercy, which is also out at the same time. And mm-hmm. I think at the time, Estelle makes a a weird statement about Adele and Duffy by extension and about how like these women are not soul singers. Right. Mm -hmm. She kind of comes, she kind of comes for them in a way that I think a lot of people thought she was being kind of hostile towards them. But I read the full quote and she's much more like, Hey, look, I really like Duffy and I like Adele and whatnot. I love what they're doing, but it's like, why, why do they get to be the faces of Brit's soul? Mm. Right. When there's like black artists trying mm-hmm. to make this happen. And um, anyway, I thought I that mean, was it's, in- a, it's a valid I mean, it's a it, you know, we talk about blue eyed soul. It's it, it, this is a this is a valid and I want to say evergreen sort of 
comment or question. Yeah. I mean, so I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that that comment came through on email uh, this week because I am going to be talking about Estelle. I think it is a common thread with Estelle that she is very free spirit. uh, She is very free spirited and very outspoken. Like she's not afraid to speak her mind. I think that when you look at her words written down out of context, they seem much more controversial, controversial than when you like Hmm. watch interviews with her and you realize the way that she talks, it's just very open. And I like that about her. I like that she is, she feels so free to speak her mind and she does it with a lot of nuance. She's always very careful with what she's saying, but it's always that, it's always that article that just takes a few words out of the middle of a sentence that can make it Mm -hmm. sound so Mm -hmm. obnoxious, you know? Mm -hmm. And having watched several full interviews with her, I'm like, oh, like I see that, I see what she's saying. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot more sense to hear it straight from her mouth in full rather than to hear these read these snippets in like, you know, the garden yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. Um oh, and then lastly, uh he suggests Khalise. Oh. I have a Khalise. I oh. I mean, we can talk. I I I was actually when I was researching Estelle, I was like Estelle to me could have been like a Khalise style artist. Khalise I think actually struggles with some of the same issues i think that. yeah 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 like 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 uh um and this is like an overgeneralization and maybe we'll obviously explore this but like sort of like a uh struggling to put they're very like conceptual and have mm-hmm. like a, they're very artistic and creative and struggle to bring the fullness of that vision to the final executed product where sometimes it works and sometimes it's not quite there or it's like because it's because there's so much creativity there, it's kind of a jumble. Yeah. I mean, I think that with Khalees and probably with Estelle by, you know, by relate, not by relation, but in their similarities, you kind of have to, in order to really like their music, like their entire catalog of music, I think you have to like them as artists, Mm -hmm. not because you like a particular genre of music. Because I think what we'll talk about more deeply is that like, I was surprised when Estelle's full album started coming out exactly what her music actually sounds like based off Mm -hmm. of like the singles that we got here in the Mm -hmm. States playing Mm -hmm. on the radio or music videos and whatnot. It's, it's surprising where it goes. If you are going into an Estelle album thinking, Oh, like she gave me a great R and B pop song. I want R and B pop music. You're not going to necessarily get that. You might get some of it, but you're all, that was me. That was me in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, ex- that was so anyway, that was exciting news. We got an email. Thank you for emailing us at Bobberneemer at gmail.com. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can cut that out. No, I just said bless you three times. It's, it's, it's all good. <laughs> I just blessed our podcast and you. Um, so anyway, we are talking about Estelle today. I feel like I didn't really well before you know before we get into that let me let me remind you that you listeners like antonio can send us suggestions through our email we'd love to read them we'd love to see them uh be sure to rate like and subscribe to us uh wherever you get your podcast the ratings are very important to us um not just because they make us feel good but you know It's it's Not, very helpful. It's very, very helpful. helpful. We we managed to become the um, 260th ranked music commentary podcast in New Zealand. Yes. Yes. Kudos to us. Yeah. 
Yeah, taking over. Taking over the world, one mm-hmm. country at a time. Um, you know, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at, uh, at Flop Redeemer. <laughs> and then on Facebook, facebook.com slash Flop Redeemer. And like I said, send us your emails. Keep the comments coming. Uh, we love it. Let's take a break. We're back, We're Jason. Back. We're on the feverous, fev- feveristy, the the fever dreamiest dream of fever dreams today because we're rushing, rushing to make a deadline today. We have a hard out today, but we have enough time to talk about Estelle. <laughs> and, um, you know, here in the States, most of us know about Estelle because she is the songs just by, behind 2008's American Boy. Her collaboration with Kanye West, which went double platinum, meaning that it sold 2 million copies in the United States, and it also earned her a Grammy. Um, But in the UK, Estelle had been working for several years prior to that, you know, laying the groundwork for what would eventually become her breakout success here. And um, she gets her early start working at a record store in London called uh, Deal Real which at the time was the kind of the epicenter of London's hip hop community. So this is a place that would have a lot of like very influential in stores. They would also promote like a lot of underground local artists doing hip hop. Um, and so she works here and at the encouragement of a lot of her friends and colleagues, she uh, takes up the mic as an MC and she starts um, making appearances at clubs around London. And so she gets her start primarily as a rapper Mm. you know because i think i didn't know that i mean estelle has a particular type of singing voice that i would categorize as not a strong singing voice yeah yeah no it's interesting yeah it's funny that you say that because yeah because i get it i mean i that 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 puts her in a different light where i'm like oh okay that kind of makes sense she almost has like a, a a lilting kind of slightly out of melodic it's intentional it's a little bit intentionally out of tune like there's a lot of parts of her flow where her notes will just dip down at the end and become slightly flat and it gives her singing i think kind of a a spoken almost Mm -hmm. like a rap like quality like she Mm -hmm. is someone that i think especially in her earlier stuff she's she transitions pretty seamlessly between singing and rapping and singing and rapping like one sentence to the next and i think that that was actually like a really compelling part of her music in those early days well, and um, you think about you think about American Boy. It's like, yeah, she isn't really singing. Like she's mm-hmm. the she is the female counterpart to Kanye. Yeah, but like it's yeah. not it's not a sung lyric. Yeah. And I I guess I hadn't thought about it. It's like, well, yeah, why would I expect like singing yeah. from her? And she's I mean, and and that's that was the surprise to me about her American debut. Honestly, was just how much singing she was doing because uh. in these early days, in the early aughts. She was primarily making a name for herself as an MC who also sang. Now, as legend has it, sometime in the early 2000s, it's not clear exactly when this happens, but I assume it happens before she makes her debut because of what happens. But she says that she sees Kanye West just completely randomly at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles on Gower here in Mm. Los Angeles. Mm And, you know, this is kind of before Kanye West is who he is today. He's not quite the mogul he is today. This is even before this 
probably is before the college dropout came out. Mm-hmm. Cause this would be like maybe 2003. Yeah, that would be, that would be. So at this point, like Kanye West is making a name for himself as a producer and uh, Estelle has the audacity to just walk up to him at Roscoe's and say, Hey, you're Kanye West. Can you introduce me to John Legend? (laughs) So she approaches him specifically for the purpose of like manifesting a meetup with John Legend because John Legend is also at the time, like you know, up and more of an up and comer, right? Like he's yeah. starting to make his name for himself in kind of more traditional R&B soul music. He's not quite like a pop crossover that he eventually will have some pop crossover hits, right? Yeah, he'd done that. He'd done like the piano work on um, Lauren Hill, some of Lauren Hill's mm-hmm. tracks on her album. And yeah, but wasn't wasn't doing his own thing yet. Yeah. And so I think that like on these this early introduction, like kind of before these future hit makers were really in the mainstream. Like a lot of people were like, Oh, this, this woman, Estelle, like she's in the know, she knows what she wants to do. And she Mm -hmm. manifests this meetup with John legend. John legend ends up helping to produce a couple of tracks on her debut album, which is called the 18th day, um, largely unheard in the U S but it became a surprise hit in the UK in 2004. Mm -hmm. And it actually earns Estelle a MOBO award for the best newcomer. And the MOBO awards are UK-based um, awards, uh, and it stands for Music of Black Origin. So it's basic. It's I, I think it's kind of like the equivalent of like our um, like Soul Train awards or BT got it, awards. Got it. And it was after kind of the unexpected success of this debut album from her that Estelle starts to seek a new label because at this point she starts to express that her label at the time, a label called V2 didn't know what to do with her. And she, her, she says that they weren't prepared to sell me as, as a success because urban music is so underground. You know, <laughs> she's like, you know, I have John legend on board to produce songs with me and they don't know what to do. Like what, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. So she starts to look at other options. She gets released from her contract with V2 And um, she ends up in the United States where she signs a new deal with Atlantic and John Leds. She becomes the first act signed to John John Legend's label, Homeschool Records, under Atlantic. I didn't realize they went back that far. Yeah. So it's, you know, based on this one chance encounter with Kanye West at Roscoe's that she meets John Legend, who will eventually sign her to his label with Atlantic. Mm -hmm. So she starts work on her major label debut which will be 2008's album Shine, which features the single American mm-hmm. Boy. And American Boy, co-written and produced by Will I Am, is also, it's strangely enough, I didn't realize this until this week, it's actually like a cover of a song that Will I Am had put on his solo album in 2007. Like just a oh. year before, Will I Am had released this song, just this track, basically, yeah. on his album. And they were in the studio with Estelle and just trying to find something kind of upbeat and fun for her to do. She talks about channeling um, Minnie Ripperton as oh. one of her inspirations for like the vocal on this, just kind okay. of like the high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of breathy. Yeah. And they record this song. I had read, I had read in different places. They record this song as a way to kind of sell John Legend on her being able to do something kind of upbeat and the fact that you could maybe put a a rap feature over such an upbeat, almost like disco like song. Uh Uh-huh. Cause it didn't sound like something that he was necessarily going to buy into. 
But Wait, to, um, to convince John Legend of this? Yeah, because I think that, oh, okay. you know, I think that John Legend had a different impression maybe of what Estelle's sure. music was going to be. Okay. Okay. Um, if you go back and listen to the 18th, the 18th day, her original, her original debut in the UK, uh-huh. it's, I mean, I, I love that album from beginning to end. There's a standout track for me called Go Gone, which mm-hmm. is kind of a Brit soul track. And, but the, also the other really great song on that um, album is a song called 1980, which is primarily like her rap flow. And I think those two songs really, for me, started to encapsulate like, what I thought her music was going to be. And American Boy was not necessarily that. Yeah. Not really representative of what I thought her music was going to be. Um, but nonetheless, nonetheless, American Boy becomes a runaway hit in the U.S. It spends 30 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 and peaks in the top 10. But the album Shine, which is released later that year, it really doesn't match that success. It peaks at number 38 on the Billboard 200. And to date, I don't believe that the album has even gone gold. Like the last sales estimates that you have for this album tracks it at somewhere in like the 250,000 copies range. Wow. And... I think that this is where the trouble, kind of like the trouble begins for Estelle. Now, after American Boy, you know, after the album Shine, she wins this Grammy. She talks a little bit later on about the troubles that she encounters after this period. So um, she wins the Grammy, but she also has people in her ear at the time telling her that the people in her team are maybe not acting in her best interests. Mm -hmm. You know, she has these people that have been with her as part of her team, you know, back from back in the day. And now she has people saying like, you know, you need to watch out for what people are saying about you or what people are telling you. She never really goes into detail as far as I can tell about exactly what was going on at the time, but it results in her letting go of a lot of her team that she had been with. And mm-hmm. she describes the the kind of dichotomy of the moment of winning a Grammy and being so happy because she'd like manifested this dream for herself so quickly. But then almost immediately thereafter facing the betrayal of a lot of people that she thought were her closest allies and they having to like let go of them. Mm -hmm. And also in this period of time, she reports on um, exiting a long-term relationship and that something had happened Um, again. Like she doesn't really go into great detail about exactly what happened, but just that this, this event was also very um, impactful on what ends up happening after the success of American boy, maybe the lackluster success of the album shine and then heading into her second major label album. Because what happens is in 2010, she releases a couple of singles that are supposed to be for the follow-up. And the first of those singles is the song freak. And the song freak is produced by David Guetta. This is 2010. Um, Estelle, was also featured on a track for David Guetta's album in the same year that um, Kelly Rowland had done um, When Love Takes Over. Oh. So in our Kelly mm-hmm. Rowland episode, we talked about this whole crossover between R&B and EDM that's happening around 2009, 2010. Kelly Rowland is really at the forefront of this with David Guetta. She does When Love Takes Over. She tries to replicate that with Commander. 
And Estelle is kind of swimming in those same circles where she has done a song called One Love with David Guetta. And she works with him on this track, Freak. It's this like sex positive dance anthem. Um, It's got this kind of sparse, what I would describe as like a sparse electronic beat to it. Uh Uh-huh. I think in the same vein of a lot of the other somewhat unpleasant sounding electronic songs that I've covered on this podcast. The ones that come to mind are like that Fergie song that I talked about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the uh, yeah. Katy Perry, Swish Swish. It, it, it's not the lush David Guetta production that I think we start to get used to with the Sia songs or the Flo Rida songs that he starts doing, right? It's a little bit more stylized. Uh-huh. It's a little bit more like the vocal is a little more laid bare maybe than we would get used to later on. Well, it features, I mean, the, the song features that sample mm-hmm. uh, back to life, back to life, the soul to soul song, which I love that song. And uh, I didn't realize they were a UK group, but um, yeah, I love that song. And Mary J Blige did like a cover at one point of just the, of the back to life mm-hmm. that that part yeah yeah uh, that i always loved that i loved and maybe i knew before estelle had released this version because it was a time when you could like download whatever you know we we're on napster or limewire or whatever you know downloading stuff and so i was familiar with that um yeah it's not the same as like the david getta of like commander or like when love takes over like those have big soaring i mean that was the that was the combination of sort of that soaring big diva melody with the dance uh production Mm -hmm. you know and this is like very like to your point the kind of sparse production and then not really because estelle like she does sing a little bit but it's like it's more of like the talk singing so it doesn't doesn't take you it's a lot of it's a lot of talk singing it's also that thing where producers are like chopping he's chopping up her vocals into little Uh bits and pieces and kind of like repeating them so it kind of stutters and her vocal actually becomes part of the rhythm itself Mm -hmm. now this song comes out very different from where we left off with estelle american boy yeah and then she follows this up with a song called fall in love and this song has versions that feature nas there's a version that features john legend um but this second single fall in love also released in 2010 is much more in line with american boy i would go as far as to say that it sounds like a weak sauce remake of american boy if you listen to this song um but unfortunately in 2010 neither of these songs impact for her yeah and So her album gets delayed until 2012, at which point the album All of Me comes out. She releases all new singles as part of this. And um, these two songs, Freak and Fall in Love, are mysteriously missing from the track listing. (laughs) Except on deluxe versions. Like, they'll appear kind of tacked onto the end of deluxe versions. But by and large, like, these songs disappear. And I I I think it's regrettable because... For what I look towards Estelle for, Freak is among one of my favorites of her songs. Interesting. 
if we think about, because it is so different from American Boy in just tone, but you're saying, you know, that also means that American Boy really was kind of, it was the out of pocket thing for her, really. Yeah. Like we, we were, it was our introduction. We assumed that that's who she was. Freak is more like it. And yeah, yeah so like, tell me, like, why, why this song? Well, and here's the thing is, I don't know if Freak is more like the genuine Estelle, but uh-huh. okay. So for me, my introduction to Estelle, there was a single that was released prior to American Boy called Wait a Minute. Just okay. a touch. It was also Will I Am produced track, but it had um, it had a sample of "I Put a Spell on You," huh? And there was just something. It it kind of connected the dots for me between like a very modern hip hop R and B sample, and then kind of like the old school sounds that a lot of Brit soul artists were starting to touch upon, and it kind of merged them. And it takes this vocal and it kind of loops it in kind of a strange way. Okay. And I don't even think it's Estelle's vocal. I think it's like a featured vocal or it might be a sampled old school vocal. Yeah. I Yeah. It kind of reminds me, there's that Flo Rida song, the, the Flo Rida song that's like a uh, good feeling, that song, uh-huh. but also samples like, an, like a really old vocal. Mm-hmm. There's tinges of that in this song to me. Wait a minute. And this was actually her, her the lead single off of Shine before American Boy, but it got virtually no attention here. Um, so I had first heard this song because back in the day, I followed the blog That Grape Juice. Uh-huh. And I think that dude is British. So he always oh. had like a, a fair amount of British music on his blog. And Estelle was one of the artists that he covered. And so when this song came out, he highlighted this song in this video. This is after she was signed by John Legend. So John Legend is in the video with her. And I took a look at the song and I was like, oh, this is a really cool vibe that I get from her. And this is you the know? wait a minute song. Just wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. Because again, it, it more so than a lot of her other songs, there is more of a balance with her rapping, mm. her rapping flow that I think is excellent. And then the, just sonically, the production quality of it doesn't, it doesn't lean as hard into like mainstream R&B as I think American Boy did. So when I when I heard about Wait a Minute, I listened back to her 2004 album, mm-hmm. The 18th Day. And, you know, the standout tracks that I talked about earlier, 1980 and um, Go Gone. Yeah. Like those three songs, 1980, Go Gone, and then Wait a Minute, Just a Touch. Those three songs really formed my mental picture of like, what I could expect from Estelle. And it really formed the basis of like why I liked her music. Okay. And so in full disclosure, when American boy came out, I was kind of like, okay, what is this? (laughs) Okay. This is good, but it's not, it's not necessarily what I wanted. Yeah. It's not, it's, I mean, yeah, I I get it. I get it. And then you you knew her differently. Yeah. And so for me, when her full album came out that year, shine, and I purchased that album and I listened to that album full through, I was actually kind of surprised because one, that album had a lot more singing than I would have thought it would have had. Yeah. Yeah. And then there were all sorts of different influences in there. There was mainstream R and B, there's hip hop, there's rap, there's um, like dance hall reggae influences in there. There's like old school, like Brit soul references in there. She's got like a, yeah. cause she's got doing collabs with like CeeLo on that album, but she's doing collabs with John Legend. Like there's just so many different points of reference 
being used in that first album that yeah. to me it, it it was something that I, I i was like such a fan of hers that i think i liked it on the merits of that but admittedly like genre wise i wasn't really there for all of the music on that album there was ma- there's maybe like a select few tracks that i really go back and i'm like oh yeah like i really really like this song uh-huh. and so coming off of that and then going into you know what will be her third studio album uh-huh. and then she releases the song freak to me i think because freak is not like a singing song it's kind of hyper stylized it i think it makes great use of her voice um it's it's almost like something different but in the same vein of what i always liked about her like the songs of hers that i liked yeah yeah like uh like growth there's yeah. a it's 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 maybe more production or something but it's it in, feels connected it's, yeah. it feels evolved um you know i think that with estelle there is always going to be this question of like what is the fine line between between being an eclectic artist versus a constantly evolving artist and like what's the difference between those two things because i think that there really is a difference mm. and for me estelle over time just becomes too eclectic for a casual music listener to follow along with. Like you can't just be like, oh, like I really like R&B music or I like soul music. I'm going to always love these songs that Estelle's putting out. Because to my ear, they are very, very different from moment yeah. to moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that I had that. I had that moment. You know, yeah. we were talking about how, uh, you know, buying albums at the time represented a, you know, it was an investment, right? You, you couldn't really, I mean, you could listen to like the 10 second, iTunes preview or whatever, but you know, buying something, you know, so, so I bought her album after American boy and I was kind of so disappointed. It was one of those where you're like, Oh, I spent money on this. Like, and and (laughs) it's not what you expected. It's not what I expected. And that's not to take away from like her artistry or like her talent. I just, that wasn't what I wanted. Like I would, you know what I mean? Like I felt a little misled. (laughs) I mean, I remember feeling distinctly as she did sh- when she did shine and then where we end up with that third album, where we end up with all of me, I was surprised by how much she was starting to align herself with like soul singers. Uh-huh. This is your, your wheelhouse. But I was starting to think like, Oh, she is trying to go towards like a Jill Scott. A Chrisette Michelle. Yeah, yeah. Like a um it was sort of like a neo soul sort of vibe, but that like really it's really hard to do neo soul if if you're not like Jill Scott or Erica Badu or you know, some of these mm-hmm. who kind of stayed because you realize there's a lot of people who or a lot of artists who came up in the early two thousands, mid two thousands, who were doing it and it just felt like sort of lesser versions of it. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, it was a little too honeyed or too amber hued, <laughs> you know, too, you know, like it just didn't, it didn't have an just quite the cut that made it feel new. Mm-hmm. And she kind of fell in the, in the, in between. I think like what was interesting was American boy with Kanye West felt fresh, even if it wasn't necessarily like her, or like bread and butter, right. It felt fresh in a way like these are new people. It didn't sound like anything at the time. Because mm-hmm. I think we've talked about what was happening. Like you had, you had like crazy in love. You had like there was a lot of horns 
Yeah. That syncopated, da, 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 you know, like, like, it, like a lot. Yeah. And this felt fun in a way that was like looser. It was brighter in a, in a different sort of way. It was a different yeah. voice. It was a new voice. Kanye West was new, you know, as, as a, as a performer. Um, Estelle, obviously with her, you can kind of hear her slang uh, and her, 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 her accent in the singing and it just felt very vibrant. And then you get the album and it, it wasn't cool. Yeah. In the same way, right? Like it just wasn't, it didn't have that brightness. You know, not that I need bangers and up-tempo anthems or anything, but, you know, in general, I was surprised by how like down-tempo her music is. Yeah. It's not something that I would have thought would have been like her vibe, but it, you know, it becomes her vibe based on the quality of her output. And so this is the thing when it comes to the music that I kind of looked to Estelle for. And then the one big single that she had here in the US, and then you compare that against the actual body of work that she's created, like none of it quite lines up. Uh And I think that she is an example of someone that is maybe a little bit too eclectic, Mm. you know, and this is something that she acknowledges herself. I mean, she doesn't acknowledge it as a problem. Like I think that (laughs) Estelle is very well grounded in like just being fine doing what she wants to do and whatever success that she reaps from knowing that she's doing what truly she wants to do and not trying to conform to anyone else's Uh ideas is good enough for her. But, you know, as a, as a member of the audience, you know, yeah, it's a little bit disorienting Yeah, because she says like, you know, she talks about starting off as an MC and then coming to the States and then suddenly like, you know, feeling, not feeling, not feeling rap anymore. She's like, I just wanted to sing. And so I decided to just sing. And that's why she says like her major label albums start to feature more and more singing. It's just, you know, rapping wasn't, yeah, yeah, like rapping wasn't as fun anymore. She's asking herself like, where is my spirit taking me? You know? And I think that that explains why from song to song, it's just like, this is what she was feeling today. This is what she was yeah, feeling the yeah. day before. And it's really interesting because I think, whereas for me with someone like Khalees, for example, right. Uh-huh. Khalees, um cuts her teeth on kind of like, like, what would you call her early stuff? Like it's almost called kind of like alternative, like it's, it's R and B. Yeah. It's, it's hip hop, yeah. but it always had, it always had like a twist to it. It wasn't quite the mainstream. She was the first bitch to scream on a track. <laughs> well, I just like get along with you. That was like a very, um, it was before kind of, she had some before milkshake mm-hmm. and it's like a very Tim Burton esque video. Uh, very dark. Uh, but it's beautiful. And it's like, no one. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's like alternative. It was that alternative R and B alternative yeah, alternative R&B, I guess. It's just I almost would have been like she's like just like an alternative artist, but like yeah, you know, yeah, well, but with yeah. Kalis, do I I think Kalis being in my mind as eclectic as Estelle, but Kalis would often just do like a whole album that was completely different. Like she did that yeah. one she did that one whole album. I think it was with David Guetta, right? She did that song a cappella. Oh yeah, I love that album. Chris and I and, went to that tour. It was amazing. And fr- like front to back, just like Kind of a random move for us, uh, for uh-huh. Khalees, but completely made sense with her voice. Completely, completely just yeah. coherent from beginning to end. Well, and unexpected for an artist like her. I mean, you know, she was with, she was married to Nas for a long time. And so, you know, Nas being an iconic rapper, 
Yeah. You you just assume that she's going to do R&B or she's going to rap or whatever. Like you don't feel that she, and again, this was at that early stages of the sort of EDM, mm-hmm. EDMification of urban music. I yeah. Guess. Cause this has been you like know? 2010 that she did yeah. that album. And yeah. then she followed it up with that album with the jerk, jerk the chicken, jerk, chicken. jerk yeah. ribs, jerk ribs yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. 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 Again, like completely, kind of all over. completely jumping to different genres of music. And, you know, for me, that's like a journey that you go on with Khalees because you like Khalees. You like her artistry, regardless of genre. But also, you go on the journey with her because you feel like you're taking the full Jungle Cruise of like a whole album of Electronica, you know, a whole album of of hip hop versus like... When it comes to Estelle, I started feeling that thing of like, here's two tracks that are for urban radio. Here's two tracks that are for pop radio. You know, here's two tracks for the UK market. Here's, you know, it starts to feel a little bit like that because her points of inspiration within a single album kind of go all over the place. Yeah. Because I I definitely started to get that feeling listening to where the album All of Me ended up, you know. It's like the album needs this many tracks of this, this many tracks of that. Yeah, like you get you get from the beginning where it sounds t- the beginning of the album sounds a lot more like urban radio to me, and then by the time you get to the end, and you get like there's a Janelle Monae song, which I you know, I was like, okay, I had forgotten that she was on this. I did listen to that, and I was like, do I like this? I don't know. I okay. I I never really liked the Janelle Monae song. It's yeah. a song called um, "Do My Thing," mm-hmm. and this song appeared somewhere in like it, it was like network promos for ABC or like uh, old Navy commercials or Target commercials. Well, it sounds this, like it. This song was licensed because it is it is that like up tempo, bright and cheery, but also retro. It's got Re- that Dap King sort of sound to it a little bit. A little Not bit, really. but definitely clean. It's, definitely it's commercial. Clean, yeah. Cleaned up and commercialized. Yeah, like to your point, the Dab Kings, if they did an Old Navy commercial. Yeah, you know, and so she's going through all of these things. She's getting, you know, Chris Brown features. She's getting a Rick Ross feature on here. And she's going to Janelle Monet. She's got a John Legend feature on here. You know, she's got a Nas feature on here, mm-hmm. speaking of Khalees. And so I end up feeling like she's going a little all over the place and it's it's a little hard to follow. And I think of all those songs, Freak was necessarily going to be the most, the biggest outlier of any of those songs, yeah. if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, I, I mean, that, the, the yeah. fact that it's on that same song as, as Do My Thing, yeah. it's on the same album, it's is kind of inc- crazy. Kind of incomprehensible. And especially if you listen to the biggest hit off of this, this album, All of Me, is a song called Thank You. And this is a song that she had written kind of in when the album was getting delayed and her three-year long-term relationship was ending, she wrote this song called Thank You. And it's, it's a little, I mean, it has tinges of thank you next, but it's, it's a little bit sadder than that Mm. where she's kind of thanking, you know, her, her ex and basically saying now, no poof be gone. But Mm -hmm. you know, I'd never heard this song before, but I kind of like it. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, so that's the thing is that, so that, that song, thank you is, the most successful song off the album. I think it successful. Wait, yeah. I think it, I think it charts on like the R and B charts. At like, I think I've have heard this song. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it charts on the R&B charts. Um, you, you know, it's touted as one of one of her hits. It's definitely the hit of this album. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an R&B hit. It's not a pop hit. Yeah. Whereas I think American Boy was more of a pop hit. It's a huge than an R&B hit. hit. That was a crossover. I feel like it would be remiss to talk about the song Freak and the f- the failure of the song Freak without addressing kind of the controversy that surrounded Estelle at the time and what the conversation was about this song when it came out. Because I I had actually kind of forgotten about this until I was digging around, but Uh the song came out. I think that there was a critical, like generally positive reaction. I don't think that it was necessarily going to be as big with like hip hop R and B fans Mm -hmm. because it is like a dance track, but then Estelle, teases the video with a clip of the upcoming video for the song. And in the clip, there are portions where she is painted with makeup kind of from head to toe in pure black makeup. Uh And then her lips are painted in like fuchsia glitter. And so the visual of the video is kind of like her floating eyes and lips Mm. in kind of a dark background. And then her, her skin is just visibly very black yeah and the immediate reaction on twitter was like how is estelle thinking it's okay to do blackface in 2010 and so this is like you know 11 years ago right Mm -hmm. but even then people are having these conversations about like don't we know what the history of blackface is what the connotations are of blackface but you know it's not a cut and it's not like a black and white issue like not everyone is in agreement about whether or not this was controversial, whether or not this was offensive. Like, I think that there were um, her supporters and there were her detractors on this matter because obviously Estelle herself is a dark skinned black woman Mm -hmm. with what many people comment to be quote unquote African features. Uh And people talk about how it's a greater challenge for black women, particularly who have African features, meaning their skin is dark um, you know, there's certain facial features, I guess. It's hard for me to actually think about like what the mechanics are, the physical features that people describe of, uh, describe as like traditionally African, but essentially it's that whole idea of like light skinned, almost like white passing or like multi-ethnic or biracial type of features that people aspire, quote unquote, aspire to. Right. Uh huh. And so the question really was, can a black woman can a dark-skinned Black woman participate in an offensive representation of Blackface? And Estelle came out with a statement basically saying, like, you know, are you serious? Like, I can't do Blackface. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, I mean, she basically was like, I'm, I'm a Black person. Like, I can't do Blackface. Like, it's, like, in order for it to be Blackface, essentially, yeah. it's got to come from, like, this like minstrel yeah. representation that's like mo- making a mockery of black people and yeah, excluding like, them from the actual performance of it. Yeah. Like Estelle, but she basically says, yeah, you know, she doesn't believe that it's possible for her to do blackface as mm-hmm. a black woman herself. Um, she references the Missy Elliott video for she's a bitch uh-huh. in which Missy Elliott is also, in portions painted kind of from head to toe in black and wearing these giant 
black goggles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was reading kind of a rebuttal to her rebuttal, basically saying like, no, like anyone can participate in blackface. Like even as a dark skinned black person to participate in like the imagery, perpetuating the imagery of blackface is like, it's kind of like something that black artists have always done in different ways. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what they're trying to say is like, like that whole min, that whole idea of like a minstrel show. Uh It's something that black talent themselves did in order to try and make themselves palatable to a white audience anyway. And so it is possible for a black artist to do blackface. But then in addition to that, and this is where I kind of, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know where I stand on this because I would never as a non-black person have looked at that and thought that that's what that was even supposed to be just because of the style of the whole video. Yeah, to me, yeah, it was yeah. more of like a, it was almost like a Rocky horror picture show kind of thing. Like in uh-huh. the beginning of Rocky horror picture, show, there's just like a the big mouth. red mouth on black. Yeah. And to me, like that's what that evoked for me. But like for a lot of black fans, like their immediate response to that was like, that is blackface. Uh-huh. In her defense, Estelle says that like the original inspiration for the look of that video was um, Grace Jones. So Grace Jones does that like iconic photo shoot where she's got her leg pulled up. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's that's where Estelle says the inspiration for this came from. But nonetheless, like the conversation around the song pretty much centers around the blackface issue. And it's, I think it's an issue that the song does not manage to escape Uh. until the whole song is largely forgotten. I mean, in a way, like excluding it from the album successfully, like let the song disappear so that people forgot what people were talking about it. Because I think that it, in the eyes of a lot of black fans, it damaged her reputation with them indelibly. It Uh was something that even when the album, when the when the revamped album came out in 2012, people were still talking about it. Um, when pe- when she was doing press for her independent debut in 2015, people were still kind of like, you know, you're no stranger to like controversy with Freak, you know. And so, I don't think that that was like the biggest factor in the trajectory of her career, but I think in the in the context of this particular song, uh-huh. it really, really hurt her mm. in the long run. Very subtly. Yeah. It kind of, it just, it's that whole thing where it's like, wherever it ends up, the, you know, the the ecosystem is such that like, because there was a negative con- or controversial conversation, it sort of derails whatever aspiration it takes over. And the rest of you know, the the rest of the content of the album is not able to sort of live on its own. And yeah. it just, that becomes the narrative. Yeah. Because the controversy, when I was reading comments that people were making about Freak and the Freak video, it allowed people to kind of subvert what Estelle herself was saying was kind of the message behind this song. Uh-huh. That she was trying to create this song, Freak, it's it's about like, it's about letting your freak, freak flag fly, right? Like, mm-hmm indulging yourself in any of your proclivities that you feel, yeah, you know, yeah, emboldened to participate in anyway. But a lot of people were like, she's being part of this like minstrelsy type of aesthetic. She is also therefore subverting herself into kind of like a sexual object for the consumption of like white people. 
in, you know, in one fell swoop. Mm. And that was like the commentary of it. Like once, once the commentary flips on her, uh-huh. everything becomes like, well, Estelle's doing this for this. And, you know, yeah. this is not about empowerment. This is like a form of, you know, subservience, you know? So I think it's all very interesting. I, when I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, I don't want to have to talk about the politics of blackface. Cause really like I have no context for it. Like we have no context for it. I think for Asians, it's like slightly different. Yeah. Like yellow face or something. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is, can Asians do yellow face? Oh, you know what? I do feel uncomfortable when Asians do non-specific Asian accents. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I get, I get what it is. I don't know enough about Estelle to be like, she was making a comment on this or this was like a not well executed homage to Grace Jones. You know, like, I mean, I, I, based on some of her other things, I don't know that she's, you know, it's, it is one of those things where like we've talked about being imperfect vehicles before. And like, if you're trying to make a complicated, a complex statement about the nature of black representation in American media, maybe not being maybe being a, a uk star like musician isn't the best vehicle to have that conversation about something that's a very i don't i don't know if it's uniquely american but a very specific american uh trope yeah that is <gasps> painful for a lot of people and a lot of reasons yeah you know from what i was reading that image that specific imagery is not unique to the united states like yeah, yeah, it is yeah. something that appears in the uk yeah. um i think that you know and and i think it is one of those things to hear estelle talk about it it was like i think it was just like a weird blind spot that like but i was surprised i, I could understand like one person as an individual not seeing it when they see uh-huh. that um but then for a whole bunch of people to see it, I'm actually surprised that no one would have brought it up before. Like, hey, because a lot of people were like, they could have painted her entire body like navy blue, electric uh-huh. blue, purple, you know, and gotten the same kind of alien effect that I think that they were going for. Mm-hmm. Because it does, it, you know, to me, like on the surface of things, it's clear that the intention is for it just to be kind of artistic and stylized and not a reference to blackface. I, you yeah. know, it's clear that that's not the intention, but I don't think that when it comes to something like blackface, that your intention necessarily matters because you could accidentally hearken back to something and someone somewhere should know that that's just something that you don't touch yeah i mean you know yeah no like, I, I would say okay so because in you know an analog for me as a, as like a graphic designer occasionally you accidentally create a swastika if you're laying squares out or if you're laying i'm always yeah, sensitive yeah, yeah, to this yeah, 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 like you yeah. could sometimes be laying out a grid of photographs and realize you've created a swastika pattern in the negative space uh-huh, uh-huh. and that's just something that like after yeah. a while someone's gonna point it out yeah. Someone's going to be like, um, there's accidentally a swastika in the middle. They're like, yeah. we shouldn't do that. Yeah. It's not we like that was never the intent. It was never your intent, but Hey, like we just don't even want to touch that because it's, it harkens to something that we know is harmful and that we just don't want to affiliate ourselves with. of blackface estelle estelle's intentions she outspoken she is very outspoken 
or quote unquote outspoken. I never like. I mean, yeah. She okay, and and this is the thing is I think that to watch any interview with Estelle, she seems like such a a cool, laid back person. Mm-hmm. She's not afraid to speak her mind, but she's not saying anything out of line ever. I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why in the long run, I always have a soft spot for for Estelle because she just seems like such a cool laid back person. I think that that's the vibe that I always turn to in her music. There's something about the flow of her rap and he, the flow of her rap. I think it, it carries over into the flow flow of her vocals is that there's just something so easy about mm-hmm. her words and the way mm-hmm. that she speaks her words um, that you feel like it's, it's like genuinely a part of her. And so I encourage everybody to give freak a listen. Um, maybe don't check out the music video if you don't want to, um, you know, tr- trigger a, uh, social, uh, conversation. In or your you head. could and see what you think 10 years later. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I thought it was definitely interesting to think about it in the context of like all the things that we've been talking about just in the last couple of years as it, mm-hmm. as it pertains to like um, racial, social justice um, and how far we've, I guess, like how far we've come, how much yeah. more mainstream that discussion actually is now. Yeah, and like the vocabulary around it. I think that's yeah. what's interesting. And I think the interesting thing too is like, you know, you mentioned like her statements about or the statements that may have been taken out of context about Adele and Duffy and in light of who Estelle is, you know, as kind of this off the cuff sort of laid back person, um, our understanding in the last 10 years about sort of what we expect from celebrities and pop stars when they talk. And also what does it mean when someone like Estelle, a black artist is labeled outspoken relative to the two sort of popular white UK artists at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and and if it's a manufactured controversy, who manufactured it? You know what I mean? Like the 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 way that the that the, the quote may have been taken out of context, the way in which the press jumps on that, and the way in which the audiences sort of consume that. I think we understand a lot more now mm-hmm. about sort of what are challenging our preconceived notions about who's the quote unquote villain uh, in some of these things, right? Or like who's being sold to us as like, oh, she's too outspoken or controversial or whatever. Like, you know maybe examining it a little bit closer and seeing like, and then, and then finally getting back to just like, do you like the song or not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, to, to wrap up the whole Estelle conversation, uh, you know, Estelle has continued releasing music in the subsequent years, subsequent years. Is that yeah. the right direction? Subsequent yeah. years. She's continued <laughs> releasing music in the subsequent <laughs> years after, um, after 2012's all of me, she left Atlantic and she started releasing music independently again. Another thing that happened um, after All of Me in 2012 was that she was cast in the animated series Steven Universe oh. as the character of Garnet, the leader of the Crystal Gems. The Crystal Gems. Um, so Estelle, fun fact, will actually be the second voice actor from Steven Universe that we will have talked about on this podcast. The first being Dee Dee Magno Hall, who plays Pearl. Yes. who is also a member of co-ed singing group, The Party, discussed in one of our previous episodes. Um, That's funny. You know, I was I had read this thing on, because people people were discovering Estelle, like her music based on um, 
Steven Universe? Steven Universe. Oh. And so people have kind of gone back. And I was actually, interestingly, one of the more current conversations people are having about Freak is potentially that the single Freak was somewhat inspirational in the development of the character of Garnet in Steven Universe. Huh. I couldn't find any actual confirmation of it. It just seems to be something that fans talk about in terms of like the creator, the creator knowing about who Estelle was and then the creator like casting Estelle basically for this role. I've heard, I, I mean, I've heard good things about Steven Universe. I've never seen it. It's, 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 it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, very inclusive, very, a very shockingly inclusive uh, cartoon. Uh-huh. It's very uh, emotional too, right? Like it hits a lot of emotion. Yeah, like there's and... there there's a big story behind it with like this kid Steven. And I think like because he he his mother, I think, disappears and then like he becomes friends with these three crystal gems, Pearl, Amethyst, and Garnet. And like they go on these adventures, and then there's this overarching story of like these evil gems that are somehow taking over Earth and they keep having to go like, you know, go out and save the world from these uh-huh. evil gems that are trying to destroy the earth um oh and finally uh most recently estelle has also released a new album as recently as 2018 Mm -hmm. and this in true in true estelle form she is focused on new styles and different styles of music so this album in particular she wanted it to be like a dance hall reggae album huh and uh she released it in coordination with a different record label called VP Records. And so so this is the first album that she kind of released between her independent label and then also in coordination with this other label. Um, the album is called Lovers Rock. Again, you have to love Estelle to want to go on this journey with her, I think, because it is so different. Yeah, yeah. It is so yeah. different from all her other music. But I think the more that you... The more that you see her, the more that you see of her and her of her personality, the more I think that that really can become a reality for you, listener. So check her out. Check out the song Freak. Um, I will also put some of my Estelle favorites on this week's playlist so that you can kind of get a feel for like what it is about Estelle's music that I really like. Oh, except for anything off of that first album, because that first album is inexplicably not available on Spotify. Yeah, I was like, where is it? All right. You can find clips on YouTube. Okay, I was gonna say, yeah, I'll make a. I have a separate like YouTube uh, playlists of like know, videos that are like unre or songs that are unreleased that can only be found on YouTube. Someone contact Estelle and ask her to um, get the 18th day onto Spotify, please. Hey, maybe what's his name? That that producer, the uh, the one who's been holding Aaliyah and JoJo's albums, uh, you know, under lock and key and preventing them from being streamed, is also <laughs> responsible for. This. Barry Hankerson? Yeah. Barry Hankerson? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, we didn't talk about uh, Make Her Say Beat It Up. Oh, that we is a, that's a whole other uh, song. Yeah, we didn't chapter. have to. We, didn't, we don't need to talk about it. But I'll, I will put the song yeah. Make Her Say Beat It Up on Shocking. this week's playlist. Sh- I mean, sexually liberated. Yes, for sure. Yeah, Estelle, I remember when it came out being like, whoa. Estelle in full sexual liberation trajectory. This morning when we were talking about it, I asked, I was like talking to Jason and I was like, what is it? And I I wanted to call the song Puncher in the Pussy. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what it's called. Does she say something? Isn't one of the lyrics something about like beat? Beat my pussy up. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, it'll be on the playlist. You can check it out. It's also, it's, it's, 
it's 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 a song it's a song that you can listen to I, I listen to it. It's 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 a good song to me. <laughs> we we want to give special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopperdeemer.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And check us out on social at flopperdeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebook.com slash flopperdeemer. And as always, email us at flopperdeemer at gmail.com. We look forward to your suggestions and exploring all these new artists or old artists and you know the things that you've suggested because we we do actually like a lot of them and hey you know i was thinking about it especially with this estelle episode because uh, you know a lot of the topics with estelle i was like i don't know if i'm talking about this thoroughly enough or in the right way hey if you think i got it wrong about estelle or if you think we got it wrong about any any of our previous uh episodes let us know any of our previous flops I'm really curious to know if people agree with our estimations because we're making some pretty... Oh, yeah. Sometimes we make some bold accusations about like why these things flopped. And I'm curious I'm, because yeah. there's no there's no consensus on our end. We're, these are just our thoughts and conjectures. We've so. become very comfortable at not being challenged. That's true. <laughs> if you don't want to challenge... If you just want to send us 100% like, agreeance, That's do that fine. too. Yeah, we'd appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>